Hi, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development, and we are currently live in the breakout room. So, welcome and welcome, and we love being here for you with quality and value to inspire and to transform. Remember, we are on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and iTunes. Today, as usual, we have a special guest to share with you for your development and growth and to live your better informed life. So, grab a cup, pull up a seat, and stay tuned for the introduction right here now, live in The Breakout Room. The Breakout Room, the place for health, happiness, and prosperity. Stay tuned. Our next guest in the breakout room is Amrit Singh. Amrit is a high momentum life coach and spiritual seeker. This is our guest. Says I have been coaching people for over 25 years in Germany, India, the USA, and Mexico and he helps his clients to figure out what they want most in life and what makes them happy and then guide them into creating a new and hyper successful reality for their life so let's welcome this inspirational and spiritual leader Amrit Singh Okay, so we are live in the breakout room and our guest is here. So let's welcome him into the studio, Amrit Singh. Well, thanks for Thank having me. Thank you for coming on, my friend. And how are you today? Doing excellent. Thank you. How are I'm you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. So we're just going to get right into our program. I'm looking forward, as I said, to this episode. I know it's going to be fascinating with lots of information and lots of value so that people can gain something really wonderful from it. So Amrit, here's the thing. I'd like to begin by asking you to tell us something about your childhood days in terms of how you grew up, what was your experience like, and how it led you to the place where you are today. Could you share with us, please? Yeah, I, I had quite a, a standard and normal childhood in Germany, growing up with my family in Berlin and, you know, just living a normal life. And then when I became a teenager, I started hanging out with my friends and we would go out and party and we would smoke weed. And so that was the first time I got in touch with, with more out in the world, you know, in this, in this expansion of consciousness. And I was very excited about it because it kind of reminded me of something which I knew from maybe some past lives or something. I, I was very attracted to this spiritual thing, you know, to this expansion yeah. of consciousness, yeah. expansion of awareness. And in, in the 80s and 90s in Germany, 
that was not very common. I mean, there was, there was not a lot going on. There was no internet where you could just Google stuff or find out things. There was very limited access to books and to knowledge. And so most of my experimentation at that time was with weed and mushrooms and those kinds of drugs. And I yeah. very quickly realized, hey, this is this is non-sustainable and I can't just be stoned my whole life. You know, I'm yeah. not getting anything done and <laughs> I'm just sitting around thinking like, okay, that kind of feels interesting, but I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And so when I when I learned about Kundalini Yoga, I think I was 19 and I practiced the first time and I went into meditation after the practice of the Kundalini Yoga Kriya, I felt something similar. And I felt some similar expansion in my awareness, in my consciousness. And I was like, wow, so this is possible without taking drugs. Right. And I got intrigued. And so I really dove in quickly and deep and, and explored and, and practiced a lot and tried different things and tried longer meditation and tried more intense things. And it really opened up this whole new world for me until I then decided a couple of years later to move to India and, and study deeper and learn more about what this spiritual path is about. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing. That's really intriguing. So in terms of uh, what you do, it says that you're a high momentum life coach. Can you just give us a little further explanation, some more details when someone hear that term, what should they be thinking about? Yeah. So this, the, the whole idea of high momentum is a little bit like what you imagine when, when you have a little snowball ro rolling down a hill, right? And it starts as this little snowball and then it slowly picks up some snow and gets bigger and gets heavier and keeps rolling. Right. And yep. then by the time it hits the valley, it's this huge momentous, you know, huge ball yeah. of, yeah. of snow, which has so much power behind it. And it really, it, it all started with a small snowball in the beginning. And it started with a very slow movement. You know, yeah. we all, we're, we're so trained in today's world. We want to like have quick results. We want to get there right away. We yes. want to have a million followers on social media tomorrow. But, you know, no one is, is ready to really invest into the small things and say like, hey, I have created momentum. Hey, I do every day. I just get 1% better and mm -hmm. through that exponential increasing and that continuous staying at it, mm -hmm. you, you can build the, the momentum, right? It's a little bit like when you, when you go running and you've never been running before yeah, and you think like, okay, like I run five kilometers today and you'll, you'll manage for 500 meters if you're lucky. And then you're completely exhausted. You say, oh, running is not me, right? I, I'll never be a runner. Or you go out there every single day and you, you add a little bit to it and you mm -hmm. build momentum. And then mm -hmm. after one month, two months, three months, it, it moves by itself and you have this own, you know, yeah. this energy going forward. Right. So that's the whole idea. So I work with my clients very mm -hmm. specifically on, on building these small steps you know, and keeping them inspired and keeping them motivated and say like, look how far you've already come. Look, this is already moving. Let's just keep adding to it a little bit every single day. 
And then they walk away after working with me for six months and they have really put their life into motion. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing. That's really intriguing, Amrit. Um, so you did, you did mention the six month and um, I'm seeing that it's your basic six month coaching program. The question that I have and, and curiously so is why six months and what is the actual process that takes place because people are basically looking for results. So yeah. why six months and what can they expect after that time period is over? Yeah, what I found is that the six month is really the bare minimum. Okay. Because we are going for momentum. And like we had in the example with the snowball, it really takes the first two months to build a little bit momentum. Mm -hmm. And if I would put on the same program and say, hey, we can do this in four weeks, what would happen is you would just see the small amount of success from that tiny snowball going to this size snowball as it runs slowly those first four weeks down the hill. And right. then you say to me, you know what, Amrit Singh, working with you really doesn't do much because this little bit I could have done myself. Okay. Right. But when you commit for this longer time period, you know, and some clients I take on for a year's period too, it really depends on what is the goal you want to achieve in your coaching. Mm -hmm. What we do is we really, we build it up and we know that those last, that month five and month six is where the real breakthrough happens. And so we trust in the process and we trust that it goes slower in the beginning. And so I really feel that when I take on a client for a shorter time period, I'm doing them a disservice. Okay, great. I understand. Very intriguing. Thanks a lot for sharing. So you have coached in Germany, India, USA, and, and Mexico, basically. Um, and that's for a, over a period of 25 years. Uh, are there any other geographical locations that you have touched the lives of any people as a result? Yeah, actually, since uh, COVID, I've been only on Zoom. And okay. I've been doing my work through Zoom. So I have clients from all over the world. I have a client from Taiwan. I work with people from India. I have people from Canada, from South America, from all yeah. over Europe. And so it's really, you know, it's international. And that's this beautiful thing, which this beautiful world we live in now, right. where, right. you know, you can sit in Trinidad and Tobago and I sit in Mexico and we talk like we're sitting together on the same table. Yeah. And I really love that. I love that about the world we're in now and that we can, as human beings, we have the ability to connect. You know, we have the energetic ability to connect to someone who sits on the other side of the planet. Unfortunately, we, we have forgotten that we can do this energetically. <laughs> and so now we get a little video on a computer and now we remember, you know, our subconscious mind creates this energetic connection, which we build right now here through our conversation. And the computer is just a tool that yep. helps us where we think, oh, it's the computer doing it. But that's not true because the real connection is from your heart to my heart. All and right. so that's how we interact. And that's why this is a real conversation. And that's why we can feel similar feelings while we're in conversation. And so it's, it's super powerful and, and I love this. 
yeah interesting thanks for sharing so i want to dive into the spiritual aspect a little bit um because you're a spiritual seeker how do you define that term and and how does one actually become a spiritual seeker for me it was that i said okay i want to know about this world of spirituality you know i was never into the religious approach i felt it was very antiquated very dusty very old-fashioned and yeah. then funny enough i end up with a beard and a turban which looks super spiritual <laughs> or super religious right uh, but yeah. for me it's is this is real the the turban and the beard are my connection to my spirituality okay. i i took that from the path of sikhism and i lived my life as a sikh for many years and then i realized this is just another constraint i don't need another constraint i want to i want inclusion i okay. want to connect with other human beings no matter how they look what the color of their skin is what kind of god they pray to you know, because ultimately we are all the same. You know, we're all coming from the same light. We're all coming from the same source and we all share the same energy and we have this, you know, love for our families. We, we want to serve the world. We want to connect with ourselves. We want to connect with the universe. And it doesn't matter if you're born in India or in Canada or in Australia. Yeah. And so for me, this the spiritual seeking really came from from this feeling that i wanted to connect with my own spirituality and i didn't know anything so i tried everything i tried this i tried that i tried this path and then when i found this this path of kundalini yoga and sikhism i was like okay this works for me let me let me dig a little deeper let me find out let me use the techniques and these techniques brought me to connecting with myself connecting with my own identity and then suddenly those tools and techniques started falling away then suddenly the the beard and the turban wasn't that important anymore then suddenly the the prayers i'm saying whatever language i'm saying them in it wasn't that important anymore because ultimately it was about finding the pathway of my own heart and and traveling on it and maybe to to round this off and to just complete the thought mm -hmm. i think religious practices spiritual practices are all very valuable because it allows you to get to the point where you realize all that is not necessary okay. if you start at a point where you know you've never done any spiritual thing or any religious thing and someone just says to you oh you have to do nothing just just be done yeah yeah you're like what it, you, you you need some tools to get yeah. in there yeah yeah and so okay. i'm i'm a strong uh, proponent of really saying to people you know if you're christian explore your christian path if you're buddhist dive deeper into the buddhist text and learn about that if you are an atheist find a way to connect with yourself and with your own inner spirituality without believing in god because ultimately we all come to the same point the same point is we're all part of source we're all the same and nothing matters but everything matters wow <laughs> interesting very interesting and intriguing information from amrit singh so i was practicing um 
yoga a while ago um it was just basic traditional yoga exercises and stuff with an old schoolmate of mine's but i'm looking at the term here and i'm thinking kundalini yoga must be different you know in regard to traditional yoga where we just go in and do some stretching exercises and stuff but nothing deep or based on any form of meditation uh, am i right in my assessment is it quite different and and what's what's the the difference between the two it is quite different and really i mean yoga has been around for five thousand years right and yoga was practiced at different levels over those five thousand years um the practice of kundalini yoga was always kept very secretive okay because it was a very high frequency style of yoga mm -hmm. it's like i i love this explanation um Sadhguru gave about kundalini yoga mm -hmm. and he speaks about kundalini yoga is the most dangerous and the most powerful type of all yogas okay and so people were thinking oh my god you know now he's gonna say next like never practice kundalini yoga right uh -huh. but then he goes on and he speaks about he says when you start really deeply to practice kundalini yoga and you live in a normal life and you have a job and you have a family and you have like your normal responsibilities mm -hmm. and you dive in too quickly without guidance of a teacher yeah. what can happen is that you activate so much of your flow of kundalini energy that suddenly you say like why why am i in this body why am oh. i going to work tomorrow why am I living with these people in a family structure? I just want to sit in a cave somewhere and meditate for 16 hours a day. Because what it does, it, it activates the flow of Kundalini. And for an unprepared body, that can mean that suddenly everything which is not deep, profound meditation seems senseless. And so that's the danger of Kundalini Yoga. So the way my teacher has taught it was in a very structured way. He was the first teacher who taught it openly, who taught it uh, to the Western world, who said, okay, we're going to do this very controlled. We're going to do this very proper and we do it in a safe way. Okay. And the reason he did it in that way was because he came to the US in the 70s and he saw this hippie flower power culture of people just wanting more, wanting to be out of their body and taking tons of drugs and taking LSD and mushrooms and all these things, which yeah. really shot them out into the ethers. And he said, look, I got something better for you guys. Right. Where you don't poison your body and you can have that same experience. And so he very consciously taught it in that way where it was safe, but still you know, gave you this, this Kundalini activation where you could walk away from a class thinking like, oh my God, I feel stoned. You know, it's like, it's that powerful. Yeah. So yeah. again, to, to tie it all together, Kundalini Yoga is a little bit like, you know, the, you can travel from point A to point B in different ways, right? You can walk from here to there. You can take a bicycle, you can get in the car. Or you can do kundalini yoga that's a little bit like the rocket ship yeah yeah but be aware that when you get in the rocket ship 
you want to make sure you have your ground clue in place. You, you want to make sure you know what you're doing. You know, when you fall down with your bike, it's not a big deal. When you yeah. mess up in the rocket ship, you can really create some damage. And so okay. I, I don't want to discourage people from practicing Kundalini Yoga, but I do want to encourage people to practice it with a teacher, practice it with a proper tradition and learn about it from the ground up because it is, in my opinion, the most powerful yoga out there and it just needs to be treated with respect. Wow. Thank you for sharing, Amrit. That is very intriguing information. Um, I'm looking at what you did for 20 years in terms of going back to India. Um, it's described as the Miripiri Academy in Amritsar. Tell yeah. us about that experience and what did you actually accomplish for that 20 year period? Yeah, it, it was for me really, it was a, a way of getting away from Germany. You know, in okay. Germany, I kept getting pulled back by my old friends and by my yeah. old lifestyle choices, you know, and I would yeah. like stay away from smoking weed and drinking alcohol for four months, six months. And then I got pulled right back because back. I was hmm. 23 and my friends were partying and I couldn't get it together. So at okay. some point I was just like, I need to get out of here. And they had just, my teacher had opened this school in India called Miripiri Academy. And it was designed as an international boarding school for the children of the people who were practicing Kundalini Yoga under, okay. under my teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I got there and I was very inspired and it was very, you know, like a, a whole new world you know we would yeah. practice yoga we would meditate the kids would still go to school they would live together in dormitories and from all the good things which came with it there was also a lot of there was a dark side to it you know like many kids were sent too young and too early and there was some seven eight year olds there we really didn't have any business being away from their parents for nine months out of the year and so now looking back 20 years later, I can see how that was not, uh, you know, not all just sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. And how that, how the damage was created, right? In For some of those kids. But my time there was really in, in for my personal journey, it allowed me a lot to dive deeper okay. and to learn more about my own practice. And I yeah. had the time where I could sit four, five, six hours a day and meditate and go inwards and have a super healthy diet and be away from all the distractions of the Western world, whatever, you know, that might be. And really yeah. go, go deep and dig, dig my well deep. And that's kind of my time of, of sitting in the cave, you know, even though at the same time I was working and I was an administrator and I was teaching classes. But it was very much this this energy of, hey, I'm here in India. I'm totally disconnected from the outside world. I'm not having any contact with with the home. You know, before we had cell phones and Skype and all those things started. It was very disconnected. Okay. You know, India in the in the early 2000s was like you couldn't just go to a shop and and, and buy things. You <laughs> know, there was very limited access okay. to yeah. everything. And it was very good. It was, again, you know, was this experience of I'm in the cave learning about myself. 
And so, but for, for any good yogi who spends a substantial amount of time in a cave, there comes a time where you need to step out of the cave. And there right. comes a time where you need to come down the mountain and share with the world and share what you learned in your 20 years in the cave. And so this is the period I'm in now where I really, that's why I love coming on podcasts. That's why I love doing interviews because it's really about sharing what, what shaped me, sharing what inspired me, sharing what, what guided me, what helped me and how, you know, how anyone can do this without having to go to sit 20 years in the cave. Okay. Yeah, I understand. Thanks for sharing. So as we continue, there's something here that has grabbed my attention and I'm just going to read it for you. It says that through your one-on-one -on -one coaching, you have a special focus on supporting people to create financial freedom while doing what they love. Tell us a bit about that in detail because I know that some folks would be directly interested in this aspect. Yeah, um, I think this is something I can tell you for, for my own story. You uh -huh. know, when I came out of the cave and I left India and I moved to Germany and we were just there, the plan was to just be there for a couple of months. Okay. But then COVID hit and we ended up in lockdown and suddenly, you know, we needed to create a life and we needed to create a living. And I have my family and my two kids and I needed to be, you know, paying rent, having money yeah. for food, doing all these things. And suddenly I was like, okay, I need a new job. I need something which provides money. And so I got an offer from someone to say, I do want to work with our ethics office and it's for the Kundalini yoga world. And I was like, yeah, well, I guess, yeah, whatever. I was very open. You know, I just said like, yeah. okay, universe, I'm leaving my job in India. My monthly salary is dropping away and I need something new. So I got this new job and and it was okay. I, I learned new things. I, I expanded my consciousness. But then very quickly, I realized that this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is not where my passion lies. This is not what lights me up and puts a smile on my face. You know, every time I would sit on my computer for two hours and then take a break, my wife would be like, oh my God, you're in such a bad mood. What's, what's going on? I was like, yeah, I just did two hours of this stupid ass job, which I don't like. Wow. And why am I doing this? And then I was yeah. like, oh, I'm doing this because I need the money. You know, right. when I pay rent and there's the, 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 the whole restructuring with the coaching and going fully online, all that was just starting to grow. Okay. You now you, when you're a coach, you, you can't live off having one or two clients, right? That's so you right. need, so I needed that job and I needed that financial stability and I was really struggling with that. And it was really painful because I, I stretched it out. And even though I knew I wanted to follow my passion and I wanted to follow my heart, I needed that financial stability. So there came the point when we said, okay, this this is not going any further like this. And we closed everything down in Germany. I quit my jobs. We moved to Mexico and we said, I'm going to go all in. It's going to be either this sink or swim, you know, basically burning yeah. the ships and saying like, we're doing this and with my family and things just needed to come together. Yeah. And so in that moment, it allowed me to to really connect deeply with my identity and say like okay this is what i love to do i want to 
make my living just from the coaching practice. And so I needed to make it happen. I needed to start expanding. I needed to become uncomfortable. I needed to start uh, a channel on social media and post videos of me talking. I needed to create a website. I needed to write down my story and put it out in the world to see. I, I, I needed to do all these things I was very uncomfortable with. Where I was just like, well, can I just not tell anyone? Can I just wait for random people to find me? No, no. that's not how it works. Exactly. So I needed to get very uncomfortable in order to be able to do what I love. And so to, again, tie it together and to answer your question, for us, when we come to the point where we say, I want to follow my heart, I want to drop this old parachute of going to work every single day for 20, 30, 40 years, doing mm-hmm. something which I hate, which mm-hmm. I really don't like to do, which is, has no sense in it. I'm working for a big corporation. I don't even see where my my work does has any effect. I'm yeah. not uplifting people, maybe I'm making other people's lives harder through the work Hmm. I do. So when when you step out of that, that is super scary. That is, you know, you know, you have a certain amount of savings, you know, you're gonna be broke six months later, if you don't get your new thing off the ground. And so it really gets to the point where it is so scary that most of us rather say, you know what, this is too scary for me. This means stepping out of into discomfort. I don't want this. I don't want to be scared. I don't want to be, I just keep my old job. I don't rock the boat. I just do my eight hours a day and I'm miserable and I drink my beer at night and then I go to sleep and that's my life. Wow. Right? So the reason why we don't take the leap of faith is out of fear okay it's out of insecurity mm-hmm. is out of feeling small yeah it's out of feeling shame and guilt if we cannot provide especially for us men this is a tricky one you know when we have a family and we're the sole provider yeah. and our wife stays home and takes care of the little kids and takes care of a million things and we are the ones who you need to make sure there's money in the bank account. It's it's very scary to say I'm risking it all just for my happiness and for my heart. And so most people choose to stay in this low vibration of fear, shame, guilt, insecurity, you know, and stay small. And wow. so what I do when I when I have someone who comes to me and says, you know, I've I've been a dentist for 20 years, but I want to be a dancer. You know, I love to dance. That's my passion and I'm good at it. And I want to express myself in this way. And he says, I want to quit being a dentist tomorrow and then start making money from dancing. That's when we say, okay, slow down. (laughs) This is probably not how it's going to work. But what you need to do is you need to start giving some energy to this, to your dancing, to your love, to your passion, and then keep being a dentist. But then maybe instead of working 12 hour days as a dentist and having a big house and having a, um, another house by the beach and having your nice Tesla standing in the driveway, 
just change your mindset a little bit and say like, what's important for me in my life? Is the Tesla important? Is my big eight room mansion important? Are these things important or can I do with a little bit less? Can I work a little bit less in my profession and follow my heart a little bit more and find joy and happiness in that? Can I create a little bit more balance in my life rather than always striving for more and more and more and getting more and taking more and then you make $15,000 a month and that's not enough and then you make $20,000 a month, that's not enough and then you need to make $30,000, it's never enough. But yeah. you always try to pull in more and you can just get unhappier and unhappier and unhappier because your heart shrivels up because you live in this small minded expression of fear, of insecurity, of, of shame and guilt, even to talk about it and to yeah. say like, Hey, I, I want to just dance. I want to just have fun. But that doesn't work either because you do yeah. need to pay for your kid's school. You That's do right. need to pay for a place to live. And so what I do in my coaching is I, I pick people up with that and, and we find a way where this, this small new seed, this new flower, which is just starting to blossom, can start creating a little bit of financial independence. You know, maybe you have a chance to, to get hired somewhere and dance somewhere in a thing which pays you a couple hundred dollars. And then that's the first step. And then we create momentum around it, right? Stop. And then it comes to step two, step three, you expand a little bit. And then maybe over a period of a couple of years, this old construct of thinking, I need to keep doing what I'm doing. I need to keep working the way I'm working in order to live a life where I can be happy, slowly starts breaking down and your, your flower starts blossoming on the other side and that's how that shift happens where the financial shift happens right and it all needs to done be done with a lot of you know fine-tuning and very careful and you can't just jump blindly in it yeah wonderful <laughs> wow that was a tremendous amount of information thanks for sharing Albert. i just want to share something with you that i saw online and it probably is just a minute or so and then i will ask your comments on it yeah so yeah go, go ahead please yeah take give a fuck about the money the money is great you know like don't get me wrong but the first thing a lot of people are struggling with is to really find out what they desire what is it what i really want you know do i want that million dollars in my bank account do i want that big house do i want that red ferrari outside of my driveway do i want those shiny flashy clothes what is it i really desire and so when you really go deep in that and that's a big part of how i start my coaching process with my new clients you know we dive deep and we go like okay what is it you really want why is it that you want that? Why is that important in your life? And so we explore that at a deep level. And funny enough, I tell you, most people come to the same point. They say, you know, really all I want is I want to be happy. Really all I want is I want to share my love with those who I care for. Really all I want is I want to be able to provide and give back to this world and really do why I came on this planet to serve and give back. And that's what I really want. I'm all for the money. It's great if you can, you know, like buy what you need to buy, provide for those who you want to provide for. Money is great, but it's not what I really want. It's just a tool 
to be able to do what I want to do. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I found that rather intriguing and definitely an amazing uh, in, in terms of the interpretation of the desire for money and at the same time to be happy. And you just touched a little bit on it, but in that, in that video, I think you went quite deeper into the state of mind that you want your clients to have. And I'm glad that at the end you defined it. So how did that work in terms of, let's say the first time that you encounter your clients and so on, and, and you put that out to them, what was the, the reactions that you got and so on? The thing is, back to our example with the, the dentist who, who really wants yeah. to be a dancer, right? Yeah. yeah. That guy is already three steps ahead because he knows okay. what makes him happy. He knows right. what satisfies him and he knows yeah. where his true joy lies. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there who, and especially like for us men, you know, there's a lot of men out there who have been misguided in this way of thinking what I want is have a big house. What I want is other men to look at me and say, Ooh, this guy is so successful and he's so powerful and he's so amazing. But then when I reach that point, I realize that's not what I wanted. I'm not satisfied. I'm not happy, you know? And then I think like, okay, I, I want health and I want health for my family and I want, you know, and then those are things which, which are good when those happen. But then again, you come to a point where you see everybody's healthy. Yeah. And then you're like, but I'm still not satisfied. Hmm. And that's when people go like, okay, maybe, maybe I do need to be religious. Like my mom always told me I should be going to church and praying and then I'd be happy. So I try going to church and then I realize I'm not happy either. And then yeah. I come to the point where I'm just like, maybe I'm not meant to be happy. Maybe I just need to take more of those, you know, psychopharmaca and, and go to my doctor and pay hundreds of dollars. So I, I can take the pills which make me happy. Mm. Or people go the other way and say, like, if I don't drink my four beers every evening, my life would be completely worthless. You know, right. because that's the five minutes I feel a little bit happiness when I start getting drunk in my head. And so people really need to identify what makes them happy. And that's different for all of us. And we all have something. We all have something in ourselves which we are good at which we, which we blossom when we do it, which we can do for hours and hours and hours and we'll do it for free if no one would ever pay us to because we love doing it so much. And it's usually connected in how can you serve the world? How can you serve other people? How can you make this world we live in a better place? And so for me, that's what we do a lot in the first one or two months uh, in my work with my clients is to really get clarity around that. Because mm. when you come to that point and you identify that, and again, you know, like with the dancer, when, when he identifies that he can dance for six hours a day and he would do it for free and it doesn't cost him any energy and he goes home and has a big smile on his face and his aura is expanded and he's radiant and he's happy and people like being around him because he's in a great mood. And then he's like, and it was, they, I made some money doing it. This was awesome. They even paid me for it, right? <laughs> so that's the thing. I'm not saying <coughs> everybody should be a dancer because 
you know, if I would have to dance, I would probably suffer and I'd be like, oh my God, this is the worst job in the world. And they give me money. Okay, whatever. I don't want the money because I hate it so much. But we yeah. each have our own thing. And to find that thing and to connect with that thing and to just enjoy sharing that with the world and then getting paid for it. Oh my God, jackpot. Yes, I like it. I like it. That's extremely wonderful. Thanks for sharing, Albert. So we have come to almost the end of the show. We just have a few minutes to go, but I just want to punch in two sets of information here. Um, on the screen, I just want to say happy birthday to a friend of mine. Her name oh, is Jean, oh. and she usually supports this show. So I just want to shout out to her. Happy birthday, Jean. And do a chant. There you happy go. Happy birthday, Jean. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for sharing, Albert. Thanks for joining in. So that's how we're going to do it, folks. But before we go, we want to ask uh, Amrit a couple more questions and, of course, ask him to share his social tag handles with us and stuff. Um, what I'm interested in is the KRI Certified Level 3 Professional Teacher, Trainer and Practitioner at Satnam Rasayan. Just tell us a bit about that, please. Yeah, I've been, I mean, I've been practicing Kundalini Yoga for 25 years now, and I, I dove deep in, in the whole availability. You know, you can become a, a yoga teacher, and then yeah. the next step is to go to the level two yoga teacher, and then you can become a teacher trainer. And so yeah. I've, been, I've been doing all of this, and I really went in deep, and I, would, I taught all over the world. You know, I taught in India, I taught in Europe, I taught in the U.S., and it's nice. You know, I, I like teaching Kundalini Yoga. I'm good at teaching it. I'm, I, I like teaching trainers. And, but it wasn't really my 100% thing. You know, like it wasn't, I, I didn't get the same out of it like I get out of my coaching. And I always realized I ended up with, the, with my students after the class coaching them. <laughs> but that was kind of like a side effect because I didn't okay. really call it coaching. I didn't have a coaching fee attached to it. So it was more my teaching. Right. And what I like about the coaching in comparison to the teaching is as a teacher, I will say to you, hey, listen, Andy, you have to do this. You have to do that. And then when you've done it, come back to me. And that's, okay. you know, like I, I don't want to hear what you have to say because I'm just telling you what you have to do. I'm yeah. your teacher. And so if you're a good student, you just listen and you do what I tell you and you get a lot out of it. But as a you know, transition from being a teacher into being a coach, and I, I love it so much more. Okay, great. And the part I'm two, not... the Satnam Rasayan, yeah. to, to talk uh, a little bit about that, this is an, is an old um, healing technique, which is really based on what we talked about earlier in the interview, about this connection which we're having, where we're using Zoom right now, right? Mm -hmm. So in Satnam Rasayan, you connect as the healer with your patient through an energetic link. And again, it doesn't matter if your patient is lying right in front of you, obviously makes it a little easier, or your patient is on the other side of the world. And so Satnam Rasayan is, is a deep meditative healing technique where I go into my inner meditative space, open that up widely, and then include you in my energetic space. And by this inclusion, your body will automatically also go into the same depth of meditation that I have developed. 
So I, okay. it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a way of me being able to share my 30 years of meditative practice while all you have to do is lie there and, and go for the ride. Okay. And so it's a very powerful technique. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. I'm going to have to do some editing. Um, you oh, sorry. Things. No cussing on your, on your thing. I noticed oh, that no, after no, I no. said it. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some cut editing. Cut it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll cut it out. That's not a problem. Yeah. So we have come to the end of the show and it has been very fascinating and quite informative. Lots of valuable content from our guest, Amrit Singh. I'm going to ask him now to share with you his hashtag social handles information on how you can make contact with him. I'm going to put in the chat that you can see what I believe is the link to his website that okay. you can make contact with him as well. So Amrit, share your information with them. Yeah, um, coachingnow.info, best way to find me. Just It's a simple website where you have the possibility to leave your email address and to also stay in touch with me. I'm in the process right now to writing down my story and just putting out a little ebook. One it, you can just leave me a little note. I send it to you. And the other thing where I'm super active is on TikTok. I got two accounts on TikTok where I post something new every day and I have, you know, like I'm, I'm sharing little snippets from podcasts I'm doing. I'm, I'm having little recordings. I'm, I'm just trying to make it fun. And so if you see, if you can find me just with my name, Amrit Singh Reinch on TikTok, that's what, yeah, would be a great way to connect. Okay, great. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing. Right, so we just thank the folks there for tuning in. And we have been listening to Amrit Singh, a high momentum life coach and spiritual seeker. His life, his studies, his information, and his coaching practice. Tune in to his programs. You can see him on YouTube. I found him there as well. And I still have on the chat, on the screen, his website that you can get information about his coaching program and how he can be of assistance to you in your decision-making process in life. Remember, as we go, please keep the love that you have in your life flying high. Move from darkness to transformation. We are your partner in the process of health, happiness, and prosperity. So until next time, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development Live in the Breakout Room. And Amrit Singh saying so long, Godspeed, Shalom, Namaste. Bye for now, guys. Take care. Satnam.